Welcome to the Whippeth In Her Shoes podcast, bringing you career advice and inspiration from women working in banking and finance. Well, here we are again for another episode of In Her Shoes, our women in banking and finance podcast. This is designed to help give you a bit of an insight into what it's like to walk in the shoes of our different members in different types of roles right across the industry. So today I'm talking with Rebecca Crabb over at Commonwealth Bank. Rebecca is the Global Markets Chief Operating Officer. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Jen. Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's uh, an interesting time to be playing in that sandpit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Every day in my life as uh, Chief Operating Officer for Global Markets is busy and crazy, um, but even more so when you're trying to manage it all from home. Yes. And of course, traditionally, we, we tended to think that markets type roles could not be performed away from the office so that's been a big shift over the past 18 months absolutely it has been a massive shift and if prior to COVID you would have thought that you could move um, a global market business in a dealing room of nearly 300 people to all work from home you would have got laughed at but Mm -hmm. um, you know our teams our tech teams and our business support teams were amazing and in March last year we set up all of our traders and salespeople and all our support teams from home in a matter of weeks all with their market data um, soft turrets so we can um, speak speak and do deals from home um, safely so we're recorded for our regulators Um, amazing you would never have thought of it it could it could have happened and people are actually enjoying it well apart from when you're in lockdown but we have retained that work from home component for those that want to when we were allowed to go back in the office so it it is quite unbelievable it truly is an amazing shift it really was sort of one of the last bastions that people really never thought could be performed remotely trading and markets and so it it's going to be one of those things I think we will look back on. And it's interesting you say that, you know, you've already come to the conclusion that you'll look to retain elements of that. That, I guess, is the silver lining, is that we'll come out of this um, pandemic situation, shall we call it, um, with yeah. some with some better work practices across many facets of the banking and finance sector that were once considered absolutely tethered to a desk in an office tower. So I guess that's one little silver lining. It is. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. However, having said that, my guess is that as a chief operating officer... <laughs> There would have been a few (laughs) headaches along the way in delivering on that outcome. Yes, it it has. It has been intense getting everybody up and running, getting the soft turrets up and running. But, um, you know, I think when it all happened in March last year, it was a lot of work to get it going. Um, But we're now there and it's all working relatively smoothly. You know, we have our ups and downs, um, our remote remote capabilities sometimes struggle. But um, all in all, it's, it's worked pretty well. And we've just continued on our business from different locations. So nothing stops. We all keep going um, and uh, our technology's just moved with us. Well, it's true, isn't it? Markets do not stop. And that's probably a good segue into asking a bit more about the nuts and bolts of your role and what it is that you do in your role as Chief Operating Officer in Global Markets. 
Yeah, sure. So my role is basically, you look at it in two ways, run and change. So run is basically all of the operational aspects that global markets require. So um, from process and procedure through to, you know, making sure that uh, technology is working as to setting our strategy and what we're going to work on for the current year as to managing our finances and paying our vendors. Um, communications throughout across the team and, and we're global so you know we have to make sure that we've got strong communications across our teams in different locations uh, managing you know regulator inquiries um, all of those types of things as in run your business fall into the, the lap of the chief operating office um, and then we've got the, the change your business as well so we've got all our projects of change that we manage too so they can be anything from um, implementation of regulatory requirements to um, changing our technology infrastructure um, or even simple things as to, to building um, a SharePoint hub that all of the teams can save their information in and have one point of access. Um, so I'd like to think the change to things are anything regulatory that we have to do and then it, then the the fun bits uh, are the value adds that we the, we build for our clients and our staff um, that will will change the business for the better. That sounds like so a I guess very... to do that, I have a team. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> I manage all of that by busy. myself. Mm. <laughs> so. Um, I've been in this role just over a year um, and over that year I've built an amazing team of um, you know, just over 25 staff um, and we've kind of set it up by business. So I have what I call as a, a sales coup, a trading coup, um, a commodities and trade finance coup and then um, a private side coup which manages all of our, um, our private side functions of capital markets and syndicate and credit portfolio management. So we, we have walls where we have no information flow because we have segregated um, information there. And then I have like a central coup team that does functions across all of the business that aren't sort of siloed in the separate businesses. Um, so the business coups are really responsible for their own team. So, for example, the sales coup will be implementing any changes that, that affect the sales teams and keeping the running of those sales teams going. And so we sort of split it up by business because it can be quite different. You know, a trading business is quite different to a sales business. So you've got different requirements and then you have specialised staff who support those areas. Um, and then the central coup team will manage things that go across the whole of global markets markets, so things like um, our product governance, so, you know, when we implement a new product, you've got to have a whole heap of governance around that, particularly with all of our regulations to make sure that we um, meet all of the requirements that we have to. Um, so there are quite a number of functions to sort of go across the whole of the whole of markets. That's Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. It's so interesting um, to hear about what you do because, you know, Commonwealth Bank being a, a big brand name, but not a lot of people would understand what necessarily, if, if you don't work in markets, you wouldn't necessarily understand that there's mm. all that that goes on behind the scenes just to keep mm. uh, to keep the, that part of the business operating in a secure and safe and robust way. And uh, it's mm. very interesting to hear how it all hangs together. Um, 
What about your journey so far? Did you, has it been linear? Have you been, has, how did you arrive in this role? And t- tell us a bit about how you came to be in your current role in terms of what what got you there. Mm. So I have chopped and changed a little bit. I mean, I guess, you know, when I was leaving school, I decided I wanted to be a vet. But growing up in South Australia, you couldn't actually study to be a vet in South Australia. Uh, you had to go to Melbourne or to Perth. And so my mum said to me, well, why don't you join the bank, Rebecca? And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, back in the day when I was 18, I joined the bank not knowing that I would end up in the role that I'm in. I started off in retail um, and spent a few years there. And then I actually got um, held up when I was a teller. Mm-hmm. And the one good thing about being held up is they actually then say to you, would you like to go and work in another location and where would you like to go? And I actually said to them, well, I would like to go and, uh, you know, move into markets or treasury. And that was kind of gave me an opportunity. They gave me um, a junior role selling um, what they called then bill flex, which was bank bills out to um, retail investors, high net worth individuals. And that kind of gave me my leg into, into markets Um I didn't go straight to uni. I actually went to work first and then did my whole degree part-time while I was working. Um, and so then I finished off my Bachelor of Economics while I was a, a junior um, in the dealing room. And then I had the opportunity with State Bank of South Australia to move over to Sydney. And I worked um, as a salesperson in global markets in Sydney for a number of years for um, State Bank of South Australia and then I moved to Advanced Bank and then I had an opportunity to move to JB Weir where I did cash management um, which was a nice sort of aspect to, to sort of work on the other side of it so so that was good and then I had a career break um, had four children and decided after about four years of being at home with them that it was time to go back to work. And that was when I had the opportunity to go into more of a business management role. I didn't really think I wanted a client-facing role, balancing and juggling the, the kids and, and work, work-life balance. So I went into business management at NAB and I spent 12 years there. And the great thing about working for a large organisation like that was I actually got to cover every aspect of the business. I started off as a trading business manager, um, you know, managing the swaps, swaps, desks and bonds. And then I moved over and I did FX business management. Then I actually moved into um, e-commerce and I was an e-product manager for two years, which we built out a single dealer platform. And that was so interesting to understand all the inner workings and how you actually build an electronic platform to roll out to customers. I learned a lot in that role. And then from there, I had an opportunity to um, head up a support function, like set up a middle office function of about 30 staff. And that was kind of where I found my niche of, of running a team of uh, a support function um, of, of running a business. And that was where I really realized that was what I loved, like, basically running the business um, as in a chief operating role, having uh, people to help me do that, but also helping them with their careers and supporting them was something I really enjoyed as well. Uh, so then 
from there, that made me decide I wanted to do a leadership, um, some kind of formal leadership training. And I went and did um, an executive ready program and uh, started a Masters of Leadership. And then I left NAB and I went to RBC for a little while and ended up at CBA in this role. So it was not where I actually planned to be, but along the way, I kind of worked out that's what I really wanted to do. And I absolutely love the job that I'm in now. Well, you were lucky to be held up after all that then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was all those years ago. Do you know what? I started my career in um, one of your competitor banks, actually, also in South Australia. And people forget this, that back in the day, there used to be regular holdups. I mean, this is a one yeah. of the this is one of the advantages of the decline of cash is that armed um, holdups are not really a thing anymore because no one has mm-hmm. cash anywhere anymore thank goodness because they were terrifying and it was just an awful part of being in the banking sector the possibility that that might happen but look at you turning it into a whole new direction and um and fancy the thought that you could have been out being a vet and you've landed instead doing all these different <laughs> interesting things working with um with with different parts of the banking and finance sector as you've gone. It's 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 very interesting where we end up, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's not at all what I expected. Yeah. But I still do love animals. I now have three dogs, much to my husband's dismay. <laughs> <laughs> three dogs, four kids, you know, it's just never a dull moment really. Yeah, it's just a crazy house, yeah. But, you know, it, it is interesting though because obviously somewhere along the way you realised um, – this banking and finance gig is obviously something that you're good at. Um, did you have a moment of truth where you realised that along the way or do you just think you went from one good opportunity to another as they presented themselves? I think um, I've, I have I had always been interested in it. It was funny, there was actually a turning point and I it must have been the 80s, I'm showing my age, there was a show on the ABC called Capital City. I don't know if you remember it, and I absolutely loved it. And it was about um, basically a, a merchant bank in London and um, I just loved it. And that's when I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to work in a dealing room. Um, and kind of then I had an opportunity to do that. And it just it just intrigued me. I just loved the whole aspect of it. Um, you know, I, I married a trader. So yeah, <laughs> we can talk about work <laughs> all the time. Um, and it, just the love of the markets, I think. Like it just sort of becomes part of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting, very interesting. Who have been the people? People who've influenced your career and shaped it along the way. Has there been a mentor? Have you had a coach? Is, is there anything you could share? Well, on I've that not had a coach. I no, I've not had a formal coach. I've had probably what I would say informal mentors. Um, I had a great boss at NAB. She was very, very supportive, um, and she, you know, she really encouraged me to try different things. Um, I think she was probably my boss three or four times like I I started with her and then I'd go off and do another gig somewhere else for a year and then I'd kind of swing back to her and do something else and she was always very much of you 
got to go and you can't just stay in the same job. You need to go and, and do new things. And, and then you bring that experience back. So I know I'd go off and do a secondment for six months somewhere else and then come back. And all of that just adds to your depth and breadth of experience that you then can apply to something else. So, you know, Karen always encouraged me to do that. I, um, I found Christine Yates, um, I actually heard her speak at a Wibbeth um, event and she, I found her quite inspiring and she, I remember her talking about um, you shouldn't hide the person you are at work and or you should be who you are at work and I that kind of resonated with me because I'd kind of, you know, being a mother of four, I would whiz into work at, you know, for the time I finally got there and I'd sit at my desk and I'd sort of put my corporate face on, not actually talking about my life at home. And I, I, I listened to her speak at a, a, a Weber session where she talked about, you know, how we have this persona at work and we hide our true selves. And I actually then let my guard down a bit and I think it really changed um, how I performed at work, how people perceived me, how I got along better because the real me then came out. Mm. Um, And that was, I guess, then I kind of would do more of the things I loved as part of my job. I did a lot more mentoring of junior staff and, and really helping to grow and develop them, which was something that I wanted to do, but I'd sort of hidden that part away in my corporate exterior. And I think, too, over the years, I mean, God, showing my age again, but <laughs> over the over your career, when you're really trying to, to, you know, work out where you want to be and who you want to go, you, you kind of think you've got to have this set persona. And maybe you become a bit softer as you get a bit older and, and you try and weave into it more of the things that you want to do. It's great advice and you've, uh, you, you certainly hit on a real um, nerve for me and that is that, you know, we do need to bring our whole selves to work and I think you can improve your relationship so much just by, you know, revealing a little bit of, you know, the why behind you do what you do, not just how mm. you do it but why you do it and that's that's intrinsically linked to who we are as individuals, of course. Mm. Do you have any parting words of advice? What advice would you give to women who are considering a career in banking and finance? It's clearly been good to you, but what other advice would you have? Um, I think my advice is don't be scared of it. I think it is perceived as an aggressive male-dominated industry. Um, I've never let that bother me. I've often, well, nearly always been the only female in the room and I've never let that bother me and it hasn't stopped me loving my job. So if that was something that put you off, don't let it. Um, There are some incredibly smart women now in banking and finance who are absolutely, you know, kicking it there. It's great to see more and more women coming through. Um, I think we need to encourage more women uh, to do STEM at uni and, Mm. and to come through into the junior ranks and and we also need to encourage our leaders to support 
um, young females and develop their growth as well, which is something that we're really trying to do at CBA. We've got a number of programs that have been really successful. We've also just run a program, I should be doing a plug, but we just ran a program on Career Comeback where we actually um, have supported uh, women to come back into the workforce after having a break and bringing them back into um, IBNM and and uh, supporting them with that transition back to work after having time out for, for kids or career breaks or whatever. No, I love so that. I, you know, I think, yeah, it's such a great idea. Yeah. It, it, you know, sometimes I people think. just need a little bit of support and encouragement to, yeah. um, to come back. Absolutely. Um, and my, the other thing that um, somebody said to me, um, Kate Birchall, who uh, is sort of a, a mentor of mine and has now moved on to greater roles off in London, has said to me, you know, it's really important to set up when you're a working mum your infrastructure at home because you can't, you can't go into work and do a full day's work if you're worrying about what's going on at home. So it's really important to make sure you've got your childcare in place, you've got, you know, your, your cleaners or your, you know, whoever needs to ferry your kids around, that you've set everything up and don't try and do everything yourself because you can't actually be superwoman. Um, you have to actually give on a few things and let a thing, few things go. Um, and that that was hard for me as well. I found that really difficult in the beginning I wanted to be that super mum that still cleaned my own house and did my own shopping and took my kids everywhere and worked Um, but you can't do it all so you've got to work out how you can support yourself to go and do your job so that then when you get home you're actually a better mum because you're not stressing about doing all of those other things and that was a really good piece of advice that someone gave me. Fantastic advice. And uh, no, you can't do it all, but I would argue absolutely you are a superwoman. Thank you very much for sharing <laughs> your story, Rebecca Crabb. We're really Pleasure. great to have you part of our network at Women in Banking and Finance. And I'm sure this has been quite insightful for people who didn't understand some of the elements and the different roles. And even your career journey is interesting in its own right to explain lots of different roles and pathways that exist in the financial markets part of our industry. So thank you for sharing. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jen. It's been lovely. This has been a Women in Banking and Finance In Her Shoes podcast. You can hear more of our podcast episodes on the WIBF website, wibf.org.au. Just pop on into your member dashboard and you'll find all the podcast episodes there under the member content tile. Thanks for joining us. This In Her Shoes podcast is produced by Women in Banking and Finance. For more information, visit www.wibif.org.au.